Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, along with Brady Boyd, Glenn Packiam, and Daniel Grothy. And guys, one of the things that I have loved about New Life since joining the team a year and a half ago is seeing the multi-congregational model in motion. For those of our listeners who aren't aware of what I'm talking about, just in brief, little snapshot, in the last several years, New Life has moved towards what I would call one church in multiple congregations expression. So we're one community with about a half dozen unique congregations under our banner, shared vision, shared values and mission, shared theology, shared resources, but also unique leadership teams, culture, expression, et cetera, et cetera. So we're living in a time, guys, I think we know that when more and more church leaders are experimenting with different models of community and growth and church planting, So this conversation is really, really timely, and hopefully, I think it's going to be really helpful to people as well. So let's talk. I'll just start the conversation today by asking how and why New Life even adopted this model. How did we get here in the first place? Yeah, you know, we stumbled into it, quite honestly. I think at its core, church is a relational organization. It's Mm -hmm. a relational organism. So everything is based on relationships. And so early on, we knew that we had a deep group, a deep bench of teachers and preachers on our staff, and we saw the need in our community to get out of this one big building that we had at the north side of our town and to infiltrate and to plant and establish congregations in other places in our city. And so we had a choice to make. We could have adapted the traditional, what is now traditional, video venue model, Mm -hmm. and we actually thought about that. Uh, So Glenn Packiam, who's here with us today— we had this conversation about starting a Sunday night service as yeah. a way to give Glenn an expression yep. to lead. And and so one of the first <laughs> things we did, I said, well, Glenn, let's do the video venue. You lead the service. You lead them into communion and yep. ministry time. But when it gets time for the preaching— yeah. Let's use the video screen from the, mm. the Sunday message that I had done that morning. Right. So we did that for a couple of weeks, and Glenn, who was very kind, came to me and he said, <laughs> he said Brady, the message was great, really good. He said, the whole service was super relational and welcoming and warm until we had to look at a video screen for 30 minutes of the sermon. And I agreed with him. So he wasn't saying that my preaching was yeah. bad or wasn't no, connecting. Was we worked really hard mm-hmm. at presenting the message on the video in a way that would be captivating to that group. But the whole service up to that point had been face-to-face, conversational, Mm -hmm. relational, and all of a sudden we had diverted their attention to a recorded sermon. And then after the recorded sermon, Glenn came back up and was (laughs) trying to reconnect with them relationally. (laughs) and, and, And I know that happens in other settings. We just couldn't figure it out. Felt like there was something there that was at odds with what the Spirit was trying to do in the community a little bit? A little bit, but I think this is a big sort of, you know, credit to Brady's leadership of being able to say, well, why don't you try? And to be fair, at the time, I hadn't preached more than a handful of times a year mm, at the college right. ministry, so it's not like I was this established preacher right. guy. So you're taking a risk to say, yeah, okay, yeah. you're the senior pastor, you preach every week on Sunday mornings, you could have said, no, I'm going to go with the sure thing, which is sure. my sermon. Instead, you said, sure, go along. I'm, yeah. And you allowed me to have an experimental space to grow and a yeah. greenhouse to develop. And But the Sunday night service was not 
the thinking was not this is going to become a congregation one no. day. It was like we just we kind of have this spot and it was let's an do experimental with petri dish. Quite honestly, it was, <laughs> we actually said that yeah. Sunday night yeah. is our experimental space where yeah. we can. It was low risk. Yeah. It was lab. low. You know, if a whole thing fell apart, we'd lose a few thousand dollars. I mean, so it wasn't right, like right. it was. Right. It wasn't <laughs> like we put our our church at risk right. to yeah. to do this. But what we found, because we were willing to experiment, what yeah. we found was a different model that best suited the people that were here. I use this uh, example a lot for those of you who have children that are listening to the podcast. I have two children. Even though they're adopted, both of them are uniquely different. Mm -hmm. And while they carry my values, they talk like me, they think like me in some ways, their personalities and their strengths are completely different. Right. And that's true for right. all of us yeah. in this room Absolutely. that have children. Yeah. Our kids grow up, and while they may have our characteristics and look like us, over time, they develop their own expressions, yeah. right, and their yeah. own strengths. So I find that the church is often like yeah. that. I think some of the trouble, and again, we're not here to be critical, because almost all of my close friends have video venues, and they know that I'm not being <laughs> critical of their... I think they're doing fantastic work. For us, we decided that the church should look more like a family model than a franchise yeah, model. right. And what I mean by that is in, in a family, you identify the strengths of your children and the gifts and callings that are in your children, and you create an environment for them to thrive right. with those strengths. Mm -hmm. So what I found here when I came here, I had Daniel Grothy right. working in an admin spot when I came here. Wow. I had Glenn Packiam working in worship and doing some other things. But what I found is that these guys can preach. Right. They can teach. And they're both different. Mm -hmm. They're different than me, even. Uh, Glenn preaches different than I do. Mm -hmm. Daniel usually is, approaches the scriptures from a different angle than I do. Mm -hmm. But what we found was is that we liked each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We could study together, that there was a lot of unity on our team. Yeah. And our church was in a place where experimentation yeah. was yes. allowed and, right. and where they were giving, the elders here were giving us permission to kind of you know spread our wings a bit and go out and expand our thinking a bit. And I appreciated the elders here at our church giving us that kind of rope. To yeah. Room to fail a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit of a safety net yeah, because if, if it all went terrible, yeah. we still had a great church here, you know? Yeah. To, okay, but to I, I do want to take us back to Sunday night. So you start the Sunday night thing, there was the video for a little bit, but then it becomes live preaching. Mm -hmm. But still, it's just kind of a, another service. At what point do you start thinking, wait, we might actually have a congregation on our hands here that has kind of its own unique Whoa. life that needs to be honored and mm -hmm. given some space here. When did that happen? How did that happen? I would say about two years in. I remember sitting in this room, Brady, right before a meeting started. We had, you know, 10 minutes to kill or whatever, and you just said, you know, I feel the Lord laying on my heart that we're supposed to do something at the southern end of the city. And I think you were thinking uh, farther south than downtown. You know, I just sort of blurted out that day, well, what about downtown? And you said, well, who would do that? And I said, well, maybe me. <laughs> and, and he said, well, well, what would happen to Sunday night? And I said, well, I wonder if these people have such a sense of belonging together that they would actually mm. be the, the initial congregation, the mm. launch team out of that. And so that's how it all started rolling toward that uh, in 2012. So the way we decided to go downtown is exactly that. We we had a burden for a location and a leader that was willing to go. I yeah. love that. That's so good. And those two things have to happen. Yeah. A lot yeah. of times pastors will say, well, we need to go to this place. 
and then they'll just find a leader to go do it. If the leader is not called to that location, then it won't work long term. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Glenn had a passion and a burden for downtown. And so then we begin talking about models. Okay, so what yep. are we going to do downtown? Right. Should it be? We and we had some honest conversations. Yep. Well, maybe you just need to go be an autonomous church plant. Uh-huh. Go do your own thing. And what Glenn, to his credit, said, "No, Brady, I see the strength." of shared experience here. Yeah, I see yep, the strength yep. of sharing this. Yes. And he caught a little grief from this because a lot of his friends were, were going out yeah, right. from this place, planting mm-hmm. churches, and Glenn decided that to expand the family here in the city. Right. Yeah. And so we made that choice early on that we were going to stay connected. Now, honestly, we didn't know we didn't know what we didn't know. And so we, <laughs> right. we walked into this. So I would not suggest that everyone do it the way we did it because it requires a, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of honest conversation, Great deal and of trust. a whole a lot of trust. trust. Yeah. Right. Yep. So Glenn could have sabotaged this whole thing and said, well, I'm going to go down there and start my own church. Right. And this happens in a lot of communities. It a lot does. of my pastor friends have had terrible experiences sending out young men and right. women and only to be sabotaged yeah. and later no, on. Well, I think that often any one of these congregations could hurt new life in a big way now. It, yeah. it demands so much trust to yes. hold this model together. Yeah, yeah, it does. And so you can't, and I think this is where this model falls apart in most cases. If you don't have a lot of honest conversations with each other and you don't have the ability to disagree with one another, don't even try this model. Yeah, right. Yep, yep. If you're going to walk into this as a corporate top-down yeah. leader, you yeah. don't do this. Yeah. Please don't do this. Yeah. What we decided, all of us had to agree on this. And Andrew, yeah. you're part of this as well. We had to agree up front that when we had aggravations, yep. we were going mm. to talk about them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. The reason relationships fall apart is, I think, because we don't know how to deal with conflict. Yeah. Right. And this model is ripe with conflict. Sure. Potential conflict. Yep. Because we're we're studying together, we're mm-hmm. teaching through the text mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and we bump into each other's content a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I may say something in a sermon that they use of their own. I steal all their stuff, uh, yeah. unashamedly. Well, and, but we say that up front. Yep. We had to state it up front mm-hmm. and say, okay, if we're going to study together, if we're going to share sermon ideas together, yep. what are the potential landmines that are in front of us? Right. Yeah. And we wrestle with that. I mean, I think I was overly sensitive, have been, you know, for a little bit about, wait a minute, you know, I, I think I said that. And and then you realize years into it, you're like, actually, this is really great. This is a fruitful way of doing this mm-hmm. because we're all bringing mm-hmm. different perspectives to the table and we're better for it. You know, you mentioned the family model in uh, Friedman's stuff about family systems. He talks about the idea of differentiation, right? Even within a family, you, you got to know the places where you're alike and you got to have the freedom to say, and this is the way I'm, I'm different. You know, and so there's a lot of figuring that out. Hey, can we be this different? Can we be this different? Like, where, how, what's the range of differentiation? And that's the thing that's so fascinating about this to me is that you have these congregations now they share values, worship, Mm -hmm. connect, serve. We share theology, the Nicene Creed, we share some resources, but they're pretty different from one another. I mean, New Life North is a very different feel from downtown, mm-hmm. different feel from Friday night, Nueva Vida. <laughs> right, right. And that's a whole different ballgame altogether. So, Daniel, talk about what that experience has been like, how, how to do church yeah. in community of churches, a community of leaders. Well, we just believe that pastoral ministry is local and personal. We believe yeah. that you plant orange trees in Florida, you plant pines in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And if you try going to plant pines in Florida and orange trees in Colorado, you're going to you're gonna mess the whole thing up. Yep. 
And so we believe that to be pastors is to pay attention to place, is to be sensitive to the soil of mm-hmm. where you're planted and what grows there and how does this community work and what's the culture like here. And so I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If I tried to pastor in Colorado like I grew up in Oklahoma, yeah. that's going against the grain of yeah. <laughs> what would work here. And so what Pastor Brady has done is he's allowed, what we've said around here is that we centralize our administrative. So we've got one yeah. HR department, yeah. we've got one account department. Yeah. We've got an IT department. Why in the world don't we have six yeah, congregations yeah, yeah. creating six different wheels? Right. Let's centralize all the things that we can centralize, but we contextualize ministry. So yeah, what that. happens in Manitou Springs needs to be different than what happens at Nueva Vida mm-hmm. because of the cultural differences. And what happens up on the north end of town won't work downtown, downtown a yeah. one-for-one correlation. So you, you tweak, you pay attention, yeah. mm-hmm. you understand the soil that you're working in. And so we just believe that if you centralized administrative, contextualized ministry, you synchronize the services. So Mm. we're in the same series. Mm. We're studying the same texts together. We're Mm. coming together on a weekly basis, meeting and praying, and what is God saying to the church, and Mm. what's God saying? So we want to keep together, but we also want to be able to have that unique expression that is required in pastoral ministry. All of this sounds amazing, guys. Can we talk for a second, though, about some of the Practicals of yeah. it. How does it? How does it actually work? Uh, at the risk of you know uh, watching the sausage being made here, mm-hmm. <laughs> how does it actually work? How do we maintain that sense of togetherness mm-hmm. and yet also give that sense of autonomy to the congregations that they have the space and the freedom to do their thing? What are some of the practicals that hold this thing together? Well, we didn't start this until I'd been here about five years, so this is based on us liking one another <laughs> and being friends. I mean, honestly, yeah, truly, go out and truly. try to hire five preachers right now and do Just this. Forget model. about it. Blow the. It'll blow up. I mean, you cannot cannot shortcut the relational equity Mm -hmm. that is required for this model to work. Mm -hmm. You have to build relational equity Mm -hmm. with each other. So if you're in a church right now where you have a group of friends and you're just wondering how to expand your church, but you're really close to one another, you really care for one another, you like one another, Mm -hmm. you enjoy each other's company— then this model will work for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're in a church right now where you don't have any preachers and teachers and you're a really dynamic preacher, but you don't have really anybody else that can preach and teach, this model is probably not for you until you've spent yeah. a lot of time building relationships with each other. So I tell people, we can talk about systems and processes yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you the mechanisms be friends. of all of this, and I'm happy to talk about those things. But if you don't predicate it with a deep so sense true. of trust and relationship, yeah. it will fall apart. So this is really... Uh, this model is not unique. I mean, there are a lot of people around the country doing yep. this and around the world. And I think this model has been kind of been going on for probably a thousand years, quite honestly, because, <laughs> because what happens well, is... parish churches. Yeah, 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 the parish church, the diocese model yeah, yeah, where yeah, there's right. yeah. one kind of mother church somewhere. Yeah. Cathed- and, the cathedral yeah. church. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right. And then and then there's and the other parish. little parishes that are happening yeah. all over the place in the community. This is yeah. really a kind yeah. of a Catholic model. Quad- yeah, it almost... I've <laughs> described to you the bishop or the dean. Yeah. Yeah, but it does feel a little yeah. like a denomination and yeah, almost, yeah. you know, like yeah. there's the shared values and the shared theology and all of that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the model has been going on for a long time. But if you don't have community with each other, if relationship is not already there, there's no amount of systems in the world that are going to make the 
the no. whole thing healthy. You yeah. have to be healthy. But, yeah. but the flip side is get clarity where you can get clarity. Mm-hmm. So we had to wrestle over the years. Okay, so how much, what, what's the financial breakdown mm-hmm. here? You know, what mm-hmm. percentage comes back in to those centralized mm-hmm. services that Daniel mentioned? And if you don't get clarity where clarity is possible, right. yeah. then everything is ambiguous. You know, yeah. the relational stuff, that stuff's already going to be, that That stuff is a- always a, a work in progress. You know, what if you really wanted this sermon series, but I really wanted this sermon series? What if you really wanted to do uh, Lent and I really didn't, and you know, which is not usually the case. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah. but how, how do we, that stuff is, is, is where all the ambiguity and the relational stuff is needed. But I would say whatever you can clarify financially, percentages, benchmarks yeah. for hiring. I mean, that was another yeah. one. How do we know when a congregation can hire another pastor? But what if the mothership needs more staff mm-hmm. first? And who whose needs trump whose, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Right. All mm-hmm. of those stuff, work that out as much as you can. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. did establish some percentages yeah. that, and, yeah. and these are fluid. So Glenn was the first one. He was kind of our beta case. He's our beta congregation. So after a couple of years, Glenn had established himself had become self-sustaining. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the tension began to rub in. Okay, mm. well, I, I, in other words, he could I'm pay his own... I'm bringing in money. Yeah, he could pay his own <laughs> bills. I mean, he, the people who were attending his congregation were giving enough money to sustain them separate from us. Yeah. Mm. So this was the... And I knew this moment would come, and I said, okay, this is a good test of whether or not this model will work. So we came up with some percentages mm-hmm. that huh. would keep Glenn motivated and where he didn't feel like he was forced to make more bricks with less straw, mm-hmm. right. that he could expand and grow his congregation as the Lord blessed him. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we were not being oppressive yeah. with mm-hmm. our demands for the money to come back right. to us. Because it wasn't like the old Soviet Union or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. We're going to take all your... But yeah. there was buy-in. There was yeah. buy-in, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and there were some aggravated moments. I know Glenn got aggravated because maybe there was a couple of staff people he wanted to hire. And our model at New Life North, the mothership per se, we had a lot of debt we're trying to pay off. I inherited right. a lot of debt here and a lot of brokenness. And so we were a fractured community up here, and we're now much more solvent and healthy. But when we were starting this model, I wouldn't say we were robust. And so the, there was a lot of, you know, it always breaks down around relationships and money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's where every friendship uh, tends to fracture is mm-hmm. over misunderstandings and... and I Power and money. Power yeah, and yeah, money. Right. And so we had to clearly identify to Glenn, what are your lines of authority and what are your budgetary parameters? And once we established lines of authority for leadership with his staff and lines of authority of how he could spend money, Mm -hmm. then we could replicate that to the other congregations. Mm -hmm. But I was grateful that Glenn, because as the beta congregation was willing to be flexible and learn. We were really learning together. Yeah. Uh, we didn't know, we didn't have a, a blueprint in mind mm. uh, when we launched out into this. Yeah. We're, we have clarity now, you yeah. know, hindsight's twenty twenty, sure. yeah. And we feel like we could probably point people in a better direction now. We have sure. a better yeah. feel for what we're going to do in the future based on the great amount of flexibility. Well, you kind of created the blueprint a little bit as you went. Uh, did, did, did that help when the Nueva Vida opportunity came along? Like, I mean, Nueva Vida, when it came along, it wasn't what it is today. I mean, we're looking at about a thousand or so people, but it wasn't that. So when this congregation comes in, it kind of had something that it could almost a process, a template. It it is true, although the difference there was it was more of a merger. 
Right. So they had a different kind of, uh, you know, existing systems right. that we had to over a mm-hmm. year or so time period change and say, okay, let's now integrate you into our systems. So mm-hmm. again, every family, there's differentiation and then there's integration. What are the ways in which we're going to do this stuff together? So they had to give up some of their systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think the better example will be when we launch a new congregation on the east part of mm-hmm. our city, which we have plans to do in the next year. Mm-hmm. That congregation will be the most well thought out, most yeah, strategically no, yeah. planned. <laughs> like the youngest child is the best yeah. parent. Yeah, the youngest child. We gets, experimented on the first three, and the fourth one's a little angel. That's why yeah. we kept having kids. Yeah. yeah, the first three children need a lot of therapy. The last child is his perfect child. I, and, think, I think this model... If you're going to try to run this by a spreadsheet, you're going to be frustrated. It's going to start with risk from yeah. the top down. Yeah. Mothers and fathers saying, you know what? We're going to take the chance to raise up sons and daughters, and it's going to be messy, and it's going to be difficult, but we see the opportunity. Yeah. So taking that risk, but then from the children, an honor up. Yeah. When you honor up, knowing that you could you could really mess this thing up. You've been entrusted with a great thing, yeah. and you carry that with the fear of the Lord. And so yeah. what I've seen over the last decade is this model has evolved. I've seen Brady take risks and say, you know what? When I retire, I want to look up and see 25 people that I gave a chance to, yeah. to develop reps and to go for it and to practice their craft and to say, Brady Boyd gave me my start all yeah. those years ago. But then with the children living with that honor, knowing you don't yeah. mess with that trust that's, that's right. been yeah. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation on the multi-congregational model. Be sure to tune in next week as we conclude our conversation. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Mm-hmm.